It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Tonight on Piers Morgan Uncensored, the NHS suspends a GP who was moonlighting as the leader of a terrorist movement that's now banned in Britain. Should he keep his job? We'll debate that. Prince Harry is slammed for parting with a reality TV star who's accused of exploiting dubious royal connections for financial gain. Prince, or he calls himself that, Mario Max, joins me live. And Barbie's girls are snubbed at the Oscars as both Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig miss out, but Ryan Gosling gets a nod for playing Ken. A win for the patriarchy. Live from the News Building in London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Good evening from London. Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. Dr Abdul Wahid is the public face and British leader of a controversial Islamist movement which glorified the Hamas attacks and chanted for jihad on the streets of London. He's also a long-time NHS GP doctor, at least for now. Today, the NHS in London confirmed it suspended Dr Wahid after his controversial appearance on this show and the newspaper reports about him. Referring to the doctor by his legal name, a spokesman told us this morning, we take any issues relating to professional conduct seriously and have procedures in place to make sure that individuals are fit to work in the NHS. We can confirm that Dr Wahid Shaida, Shaida has been suspended from the NHS primary care performance list. Well, last month, uh, Dr Wahid, under his other name, uh, was brave enough to appear on Uncensored. Brave? Hmm. You can judge for yourself how it went. 1,200 people were massacred, were I they? I think 1,200 people were killed. Were they massacred? Yeah, they were killed. Right, they by terrorists. Killed. They were killed by people who were resisting an occupation. <laughs> and They're terrorists. Yeah, well, that's your view. It is my view. One man's terrorist is another man's freedom yeah. fighter. Have you never heard Again. that? Well, many people who saw that interview were shocked that someone who cast doubt on whether the October 7th attacks had even taken place, let alone not considering Hamas to be terrorists after it dismissing any civilian deaths as collateral in active resistance, could remain working in the National Health Service with a salary paid by the British taxpayer. But at the same time, it was reasonable to debate whether radical opinions have any real bearing on someone's ability to practice medicine. After all, people have, opinion, have every right to opinions that others find offensive. That is why he was invited onto the show in the first place. But Dr Wahid is now effectively the head of a prescribed terror group. And it's prescribed as terror group not just here in the UK now, but in numerous other countries too. And there is no defence for that. Hizbut Tahrir is a global Islamist movement which advocates for an Islamic caliphate under Sharia law. In this country, they made headlines for denouncing LGBT filth, as they put it, and calling for an end to the Western world order. 
It's outlawed in plenty of other countries, like Germany, Egypt, several Arab states. Last week, the British Parliament officially designated it as a terrorist organisation. That means membership or support for Hizbut Tahrir is now illegal, carrying a prison sentence of up to 14 years. Now, to be clear, I've not called for Dr Wahid to be suspended, fired or cancelled. But I did question whether his views made him fit to serve patients, many of whom, by his own admission, don't even know about his double life because he uses two separate names. Now, he is the head of an officially prescribed terrorist organisation and the whole argument becomes a lot simpler. It is, frankly, untenable for him to be working in the NHS and if he wants any hope of continuing in those duties, he needs to start doing something he repeatedly failed to do on this show last time, distance himself publicly from terrorists and terrorism. Well, joining me now is the author, podcast host and comedian, Constantine. Yes, Constantine, great to see you. Um, what do you make of this story? Quite extraordinary that for decades this guy had been operating in North London as a GP, and yet in his other uh, vocation, he was leading the UK arm of a group that was already uh, considered a terror group by many other countries and is now uh, also considered that way in this country. Right, and you should put some, we should put some meat on the bones of that because you mentioned the, the group is banned in Egypt, Germany and a few other countries. Actually, Piers, as you probably know, the group is banned in almost every Muslim country in the world. Mm -hmm. Indonesia, the most populous Muslim country in the world, has banned Hizbut Tahrir. Pakistan, Bangladesh, almost every Arab country in the Middle East has banned Hizbut Tahrir. So the question I think we really ought to be asking is why did the British government allow these Islamists to operate in Britain for as long as they did. Now, coming to your point about whether he should be suspended from the NHS, as you know, I think both you and I are very wary of people being uh, banned or mm. uh, censored in some way for, for the opinions that they express. But I think most British people would draw the line of being a member or indeed the head of a now prescribed terrorist organization. And of course, we also got to remember there is a difference between a guy stacking shelves in a supermarket and someone who is a GP who would be seeing patients, no intimate details about them, know their ethnicity, religion, and have the power of, in some situations, life and death over people. So I think it's a very different case. And I've got absolutely no problem with terrorist sympathizers being prevented from working in the National Health Service. Right. And to, to be, you know, to be clear about what his views were post-October the 7th, he gave a talk on YouTube uh, and he said this. Hey, Dean. They gave the enemy a punch on the nose, mm. all right? And, and it's a very welcome punch on the nose. Welcome punch on the nose, which is <clears throat> 1,200 people, including at least 800 innocent civilians, including many children, women, being brutally murdered, raped, in some cases beheaded. That was apparently a very welcome punch on the nose, says an NHS doctor whose salary is paid by the British taxpayer. I mean, I think for that alone, unless he renounces what he said there very clearly and firmly, there could be no way back for him. Well, quite. And I think, you know, if he were to renounce it, I think we'd all question how legitimate and how sincere that renunciation would be, given his uh, body of work, let's say, on, on this issue. I think there are some people who've been tolerated for far too long in our country. And uh, members of his Tahrir, which is now thankfully prescribed, uh, if they're not citizens of this country, I think the British people will be asking, why are they still here? Yeah, because we had uh, in October uh, the same 
uh, Wahid addressing a rally outside the Egyptian and Turkish embassies in London, during which she told the crowd, victory is coming, everyone has to choose a side. Another senior member, uh, Mazir Khan, of the same uh, now terror group, said, what is the solution to liberate people in a concentration camp called Palestine? And they chanted back, jihad, jihad, jihad. We got a clip of this. What is the solution to liberate people in the concentration camp called Palestine? Jihad! What is the I mean, you know, we, there's been lots of debate about the pro-Palestinian marches. I'm going to come to some fascinating footage that you've done for a, a film about those. Um, and, you know, many people are there legitimately marching for peace. I completely get that. But when you have people on the streets of London chanting jihad, 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 that is unacceptable. And you will remember, Piers, that the, the Met Police shamefully... Uh, instead of dealing with those people under the law of this country, instead, what they did is they said, well, jihad has many meanings and essentially pretended not to understand what those people were calling for. Um, but as you say, people have a right to protest. People should speak freely and express themselves. And by the way, uh, I think actually, you know, you and I both take a lot of flack for uh, so-called platforming people with the wrong opinions. Mm. I actually think this is a very good example of a situation in which allowing people to speak freely and express their horrific opinions in public is a, a, a thing, a method that allows uh, them to express those opinions and then for the public, frankly, to take a position on whether those people should be serving them in the public health service, should be in our country if they're not citizens of this country. And I actually think you've done a very good job, Piers, of bringing these people into the light and letting them hang themselves with their own rope. Yeah, I mean, people said, you exposed him uh, and you've got him suspended. No. He exposed himself by expressing very firmly his own views, which were supportive of Hamas, which is a prescribed terror group in this country. So that was in itself illegal, actually, what he was doing. And now he is the head of an organisation that's just been designated as a terror group, and that is also illegal. So there's a lot of crime being committed here by this NHS doctor. Never mind anything else. Uh, I didn't expose that. He was doing it himself. <clears throat> I want to bring in now uh, the columnist and commentator, uh, Vajah Ali. Vajah, thank you very much indeed uh, for joining me. Um, what do you make of this story? Thanks I for mean, having me. This, this guy is an NHS doctor for many decades. I'm sure there'll be plenty of his patients. He'd say he's a perfectly good doctor. What's he got to do with that, that he has these views? But now the UK government has prescribed the organisation that he runs in the UK as a terrorist organisation. Is his position as a doctor here untenable? Well, listen, the show is called Uncensored, and I think all of us agree that in a free society, we should have something, what well, we have in America, the First Amendment, freedom of worship, free speech, freedom of assembly. And unfortunately, there are elements, extremist elements within our society that we tolerate. That doesn't mean that we agree with them. That doesn't mean that we support them. That doesn't mean we endorse them. Like, I'll give you an example. His material has been an annoyance, an annoyance in my life. They're here in America. They're all around. They have these aspirational dreams of a caliphate that will never happen. And some of them have very hateful views, right? They do not like me at all. In this particular situation, though, you have to realize that several <laughs> British governments have tried to commit uh, Hizmet Theory as a terror organization. This is not the first, right? But they haven't found any actionable threats. In this particular climate, in the past three months, as you know, you had your former Home Secretary, uh, Suella Braverman, not really uh, a fan uh, uh, of, I would say, Muslim or Muslim immigrants, who during these protests were a bunch of these nuts 
uh, sparsely populated protests, yelled the word jihad and apparently praised Hamas. She wanted to expose them, right? She said, look into it. And then now, in the past two weeks, you finally have exposed them as a terror group, quote unquote terror group, but there are zero actionable terror threats. So what happens in this situation? It reminds me, Pierce, as an American, of a post 9-11 climate where you had 19 foreign Muslim hijackers who brought down the two towers and the country lost its mind and used that as a giant net to go after a bunch of Muslims. We did a registry program. We uh, deported 13,000 immigrants. We literally had the NYPD peers in this country mm. surveil Muslim mosques, Muslim students, Muslim grocery stores, right? Anyone who said the wrong word. People were kicked off of planes for saying Arabic words. So I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm listening to your conversation and I think you did the right thing. These nuts who exist, right? You expose them, you marginalize them, you bring them on, and then they go into the fringes of society. In America, we have the KKK. In America, if you look at this, there's a capital right behind me. There are people who did a violent insurrection against the United States in that capital. We have elected officials in America who call those people political prisoners and martyrs. They're elected uh, people who incited violence against our law enforcement. So I think the, the, what, you, what I hope you're not doing, and I, I feel like you're doing, is this giant net, this giant hammer to crush them. I think it will not make things better in, in Great Britain and in Europe, and I think it will give fuel and fodder to extremists on both sides. The right-wing uh, militant uh, nationalists, the white nationalists who attacked the police after Home Secretary Braverman's article, you remember that? And also these fringe elements, I think it will further radicalize them. I don't think this is what you do in a free society, but that's just me speaking on your show called Uncensored. Well, you know, well, you know what? It's an uncensored show, and you raise some very uh, interesting and valid points. Constantine, what's your reaction to what Bajaj said there? Well, my, re my reaction is I, I encourage all our viewers to go and uh, watch an interview with the UAE foreign minister uh, given in 2017 in which he warned Western governments that their obsession with uh, political correctness, his words, not mine, and being unwilling to deal with Islamic extremism in the way that it should be dealt with uh, will lead to more terrorism and more violent crime in their countries. And that uh, interview has gone super viral on the internet precisely because of how prophetic it was. Uh, if, as I said earlier, almost every Muslim country in the world considers these people to be Islamic extremists who are to be banned, I think we should be learning from them uh, on how to deal with these people instead of thinking that we in our liberal society are able to integrate all these people. These people do not belong in this country and their views do not belong in this country. And as I say, if they're not citizens of this country, they should not be here. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, when I walk around now, because there's been loads of memes about me, because of all the big interviews we've done, <clears throat> and it always has me dressed up as some reporter saying, do you condemn Hamas to inappropriate people all the time? And I get asked it in the street now, do you condemn Hamas? Like, it's a joke. And I said, you know, I always reply to people, you know, you have to start with that question. Do you condemn what Hamas did on October the 7th? And do you accept it's a terrorist attack? Because if you can't accept that, Vajahat, to me, if you can't accept that basic fact... Uh, which we saw not because people invented those uh, the, those monstrosities they committed, but because they openly, brazenly broadcast them to the world through their own technology because they were proud of what they were committing. I don't think if you, if you don't start from a position that you condemn what Hamas did, I don't really have much time for you. 
then why are you in a democracy? Why do you claim to be an enlightened government? Why are you any different from authoritarian Muslim countries that crack down on any group, any group they don't like? There's a reason why we have the First Amendment. There's a reason why you have a freedom uh, of assembly, of association, of a free speech. Because, like Voltaire said, I don't agree with what you said, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. That doesn't mean you like them. I'll give you an example. In the United States, we have the KKK, an actual terrorist group that committed terrorism against black and white Americans. They still exist. They have the right to assembly. They do their stupid marches like cowards. They put on their masks. I don't know if you saw that viral video. It went mm. viral that a bunch of them wearing white masks in New York got stuck at a turnstile because they didn't know how to use uh, the New York subway station. Just exquisite. It was like a Mel Brooks scene. But they exist. We had literally people saying the Jews will not replace us. And Donald Trump said they're very fine people. We literally have people, like I said, going against this capital right here, committing a violent insurrection. But for some strange reason, when the number one domestic terror threat in America and also increasingly in Europe and the UK is white terrorists, white nationalist terrorists, white extremists, I never hear anyone say, you know what, we should ban them. We should deport them. Oh, what I instead hear is they have economic anxiety. The double standard here at play has to be exposed, right? And I want people to really think about what they're really advocating. If someone doesn't like your speech, you know what? You're not just going to be uh, not tolerated. You're going to be deported, especially if you're a person of color. How does that make a multiracial society that is both the UK and America safer and better, especially, and I'm speaking now as an American, and you know in the UK, the rising domestic terror threat is not Islamic extremism, which, by the way, exists. It is white nationalist extremism. Not a single word about that, but I hear all these free speech advocates. All these people are all about Western civilization. All, all of a sudden, turn to censorship and all of a sudden become authoritarian when it comes to Muslims and people of well, color. Well, hang on. Why I, is that? Hang on. Piers, let me educate well, your guest a little bit about okay. his own country. Uh, oh, so please educate all, me. Please educate me. I, I'm about to. Be quiet and I will. Now, first of all, nobody's calling for people to be deported because of their views. We have laws in this country against organizations that are prescribed as terrorists, and I have no problem with terrorists being removed from this country under the laws of this country. Secondly, Donald Trump never said that the people calling uh, for the eradication of Jews will find people. If you go and look at his quotes, he actually condemned them and said they should be condemned absolutely. But the people who were there protesting about the statues, they were the ones that were fine people. Now, you should educate yourself about those things. And thirdly, you should educate about the fact that, regrettably, I would quite like to have a First Amendment here in the UK. We do not have a First Amendment. And I would have a lot more sympathy with your argument if we hadn't spent the last 10 years watching people be sacked from their jobs for saying women are women and men are men. Yeah, and I would also add that when you say that I'm not respecting free speech, Vajat, when I say I don't respect people who won't condemn Hamas, they're... In, I didn't they're, say you. No, no, but they can say it. They can say it. I just don't have to respect it. It's a bit like when I block people on Twitter. Of course, people, you don't have I, to respect it. No, but when I, when I block people on, on X, for example, or formerly Twitter, and people say, well, you're suppressing their free speech. No, I'm not. They can still tweet what the hell they like. I just don't have to read it. I don't have to hear it. You know, that, this, that actually is what free speech is. And the First Amendment, which is one of the most powerful protectors of free speech in the world, it doesn't cover many things, from child pornography to defamation to all sorts of stuff is, is not protected by the First Amendment. And nobody, I don't think, who looks at this sensibly would say that a terror group that espouses not just hatred but violent hatred and the mass killing of people, that is never protected by free speech, is it? And should it be? Uh, 
It, it, it shouldn't be. But listen, this is interesting. Uh, speaking about education, allow me to retort and educate. And I'll give you an example about the double standards. And I want you guys to really respond to this. Speaking about terrorism and violence, on the platform you mentioned, X, also known as Twitter, one of the wealthiest men, Elon Musk, has repeatedly promoted the replacement theory, an anti-Semitic uh, anti anti conspiracy that blames Jews for trying to weaken and replace Western civilization with Muslims and immigrants and LGBTQ communities, right? That conspiracy theory has radicalized individuals to commit violence against Jews, against Muslims, against black people, against Latinos. That conspiracy has been retweeted and platformed and mainstreamed by the Republican Party, people like Elise Stefanik and Donald Trump, who, by the way, dined with Nick Fuentes, yeah, the leading white nationalist leader in America. You guys are fine with that. But I'm not when fine it comes with it. to any I'm other group that says something, who said we're fine Wait with that? Wait a minute. I wrote a whole, who said we're I wrote fine a whole with column. Oh, okay. I wrote a Good whole column condemning it. What are you talking about? Good. But you're not going to deport them, right? Are you going to deport them? Are you going to are you going to call them out for uh, uh, literally being linked said to a terrorist conspiracy? People who are citizens who are not citizens of the country should be deported if they're members of a terrorist group. Why don't you understand the distinction should national between security, being a member of a terrorist should the group government and, and saying something should wrong? US and UK, should U.S. and U.K. government and national security go after these groups and these elected officials and these organizations that have literally repeated and mainstreamed a conspiracy that has motivated terrorists to commit terrorism? Anyone who is a member of a terrorist group should be prosecuted under the law of the country in which they are a terrorist group. That's not what I asked. That's group. not what I asked. Well, the, but that's what that's I what said. I so you were challenging me about something and I I'm didn't very, say. And I'm very right. curious. People I'm very are allowed curious to have why you are not opinions, concerned about this. But in this instance, I didn't say I wasn't concerned about it. I said you can't deport citizens of the country in which they live, A. And B, I keep pointing out to you that the person we're talking about in this case, this NHS GP, he is a member of a terrorist group. We're not talking about him having the wrong opinions. People are allowed to have the wrong opinions, both in this country and in your country. It's something that we all celebrate as part of the heritage of Western civilization, and we would all, I hope, defend. The issue here is we have laws in this country about being a member of a terrorist group and people who are members of a terrorist group, I hope you would agree with me, should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. And if they are prosecuted to the extent of the law and they are foreign citizens, should be deported. Will we agree on that? We will agree on that. And I'll also say this uh, for those who are watching, especially Perfect. the youth, uh, there's a great meme, a family guy meme, where there's a chart of who gets to be labeled a terrorist and who doesn't. Uh, the front part of the chart is when you have light skin, you're not a terrorist. When it gets Why dark do you and darker, always, people you're like a you terrorist. always bring race into it. It's got nothing to do with race people like and me. everything to do with people who kill people. Mm. Yes, people yet, like you, race baiters like you. I have not like heard you. you. Yes, and I have not heard you really express this much outrage against the number one domestic terror threat against all our uh, communities in America and the UK, which is rising white Bro, nationalism. I am a, a dark-skinned, first-generation immigrant to the UK. I don't play your racial games. Stop using your skin color as a way to shut other people up, and let's talk about the issue. The issue here is, should we tolerate foreign terrorists in our country, people or should we remove them? And okay. my opinion is we should remove people who are not conducive to this country. And if someone like me, first generation immigrant, comes here and wants to be a terrorist, it is first generation immigrants like me that are at the front of the queue to get them out. Okay.
It's been a fascinating you debate. Remove people listen, I think who are you, not you, conducive to the listen, society. It's been, it's been a fascinating debate. Okay. I actually think who that, are terrorists? Yes. I actually think, Vajan, to be fair to you, I do think that the white nationalism-related uh, terrorist acts that we see increasingly is never played up as much, actually, as Islamist terror was, particularly in the heyday of Al-Qaeda and ISIS. I think it's a perfectly valid point to make, for what it's worth. I think I've made that point, actually, before. Um, before I let you go, uh, Constantine, you've done a lot of filming with the pro-Palestinian marches in London. What did you find? Well, I actually went over the last uh, few months, Piers, we went to the protest against anti-Semitism. We went to two pro-Palestine protests. We went to an Extinction rebellious, uh, Rebellion protest, which was very, very funny. I encourage people to go and watch that. But uh, the latest uh, pro-Palestine protest in particular, there were some fascinating scenes. And, you know, we really tried to talk to people with an open mind. I don't have, a, actually, contrary to the discussion we've just had, a particularly strong uh, position on it. I'm interested really in getting people's views. And one of the things that came through very strongly is uh, young people in particular, of whom there are many, the way I would kind of describe the demographics are it's a mixture of sort of beards and headscarves on the one hand and septum piercings and colored hair on the other. Um, the young people who are there in particular, when you ask them very, very basic questions, you know, from which river to well, which Well, let's take sea, a look at a clip, actually. Uh, we've, not, got a, we've got a clip yeah. with some of this. Let's, let's watch it here. So I just noticed the signs that you got from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. What does that mean? Well, it's quite self-explanatory. How would that come about? What would happen to the Israelis, etc.? I don't know. Like I'm trying to think of how to word it. Isn't it just as self-explanatory as the area of land? It's Palestine's land. What's a socialist intifada? If I'm being honest with you, I just got this at the stand over there. Okay. Uh, I don't actually know the definition of the word intifada. I mean, it's kind of laughable. I don't think for a moment that a lot of people on that march are that ignorant about it. A lot of them clearly are well-informed and are absolutely marching because they want peace and they want to cease fire in Gaza. I completely understand that. But, Vajah, when you hear that, there are a lot of young people joining up in these marches who are completely clueless. And I actually blame TikTok more than anything, which is the number one news source now for kids under 25 and spews just relentless nonsense into their heads. And that's where they get their news. Uh, this is where I'm going to stand up for the youth. If you look at the youth, it's been a stunning change where most youth people, uh, youth mm. here and abroad are actually, if you will, pro-Palestinian and want the occupation to end. And the flip side to that, Pierce, I would say is the following. For those who are watching, we're the same when it comes to Facebook, we're the same when it comes to X, and we're the same when it comes to mainstream media. You are a breath of fresh air because you allow multiple opinions to come on, uh, you know, talk about Palestinian side and Israeli side. In America, you know that this wasn't the case. And so for those people who are terrified by the TikTok, just think about what limited viewpoints that you got for 30, 40 years. And now, for better and for worse, this young generation is exposed to multiple narratives and they see for themselves what's happening, which is why you see the shift in which a lot of people, especially in Israel and here, are horrified by the Netanyahu government, want an end to the occupation, want a ceasefire, hate Hamas, hate, hate extremists in the Netanyahu government and believe that Palestinians have a right to freedom. Yeah, well, they certainly do, in my estimation. But there is one clip, uh, Constantine, which really got to me. It was about me. Let's take a look. So I see you've got a sign there that says journalism that get paid for selling lies, and I'm guessing that's Piers Morgan, right? Why do you say that uh, this is journalism that's selling lies? 
Uh, it's very obvious what is going on, all the lies about what happened on the October 7th, the justification for the genocide, they're all based on lies. When you say lies about October 7th, what do you mean? All those allegations that we never saw any footages of, of decapitated children that Piers Morgan always asked about, and all those women that get, got uh, gang raped. I mean, it was quite extraordinary, Constantine, because one of the problems with platforming everybody, actually, for the last three months is that you end up with the extremes on both sides hating you with equal vengeance and often being completely ill-informed, actually, about what I've actually said. Um, but it was enlightening to see that because I see that all day long on social media, that kind of view, which is really based on a lack of reality. Well, there was a lot of that going on in the protest. And interestingly, I mean, you say uh, most people there are well-informed. Uh, we released in that half an hour documentary that people can go to Trigonometry, our YouTube channel, and watch. We released every single interview that we did. Uh, so we haven't cherry-picked these moments right. to make people look bad or anything like that. It contains... I mean, they're shortened down, but the, they are basically the content of what people said to us. Okay. And I have to say, most of the people we spoke to a, didn't really seem that actually that well-informed, most of them. Mm. And secondly, I would say that was an awful lot of the sort of thing you just heard where people have some kind of way of pretending October 7th didn't happen. In fact, the first person you see in the video talks about how it's a false flag operation. There seems to be a lot of that going on too, where, where people are sort of, they, they sort of wish away the terrorist attack on October 7th. And it makes sense because if you're calling for a ceasefire, uh, and you're calling on Israel to unilaterally, essentially, engage in a ceasefire, you have to pretend October 7th didn't happen because otherwise you'd be calling on Hamas to hand over the hostages and the terrorists who took them because that's how you get a ceasefire. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest blow-ups I had, Vajahat, was after that interview with that doctor, actually, uh, in which I'd already read out some quotes from another member of his group uh, talking about LGBT filth, feminist filth, really horrible, homophobic, misogynist stuff, which this guy had been caught saying. Uh, and, and the doctor is the leader of the UK Arms, as one of, his, one of his people. And then he talked about people who want now to... Uh, women, in particular, who want now to uh, become Muslim. And I said, what, to live un under oppression? And what I meant was the oppression that had been spouted by this guy... You know, I'm not remotely anti-Muslim. I'm not remotely anti-Islam. I led the media campaign in this country against the Iraq war, for example. I led the defence of Qatar for its right to have the World Cup and exposed a lot of Western hypocrisy about the criticism there and so on. So I really am not remotely anti-Muslim. I was talking about the kind of interpretation of Islam and Muslim world that members of that group espouse, which is vile against women. So if you want them to come into that world, it is oppressive. Um, but it was interesting to me to watch the ferocious explosion on social media, which bore no relation to the context of why I said what I said. If, if I may, uh, I've been in this for a long time. I was 21 years old when 9-11 happened. I was a Muslim-American college student. And let me just, if I may, explain to your viewers the double standard that the rest of us feel, just very quickly. Muslims are asked for the past 20 years to condemn violent acts done by violent people we've never met. When I came on your show last time, you remember that. It was a nutty guest who accused me of being Hamas simply because I'm Muslim. Right. And I had to condemn every single violent extremist organization. 
That's a double standard that never happens to any other group, and I hope it doesn't happen to any other group. The second mm. thing is, the most extreme violent members of our quote-unquote community are used to define us. The most extreme violent reprehensible people are used to define the religion of 1.8 billion people. That does not happen to other, other groups, right? Imagine if I said, all white people are defined by the KKK or Donald Trump, and each and every single time you're on TV, I'm asking you, what do you say about these white nationalist groups? What do you say about Donald Trump? Aren't you ashamed? Have you condemned them? You're like, why are you asking me? And most of my friends you aren't like this. You did that earlier and in then this finally, conversation. The warning, the warning I want to give, the warning I want to give here is you and I, Pierce, had the foresight to see the devastation of the war on terror. You and I were the ones 20 years ago who mm. were against it. For those who are watching, especially in the UK, learn from America's mistakes. When you use fear and anger and rage to create domestic and foreign policies, it leads to extremism, it leads to divisions. We had a war against Iraq and Afghanistan. We had a quagmire. We had people being deported. We had a chilling effect. We had a trust deficit between law enforcement and American Muslim communities. We had a rise in hate crimes. Learn from our mistakes and don't okay. let the worst of you and your worst fears contaminate what you have in, a, in, in the UK, which is a multiracial society. You okay. still have hope. Uh, Bajak, thank you very much indeed for joining me, especially at late notice as it was today. We appreciate it. Constantine, always great to have you on. I, com I commend that film you've made. It's very enlightening. People can go see it on the Trigonometry uh, website, which is well worth half an hour of your time. Thank you both very much. Well, on the sense of next, the US and UK launched fresh strikes on Houthis in Yemen. They say it's to de-escalate tensions and restore stability in the Red Sea. But are they doing the exact opposite? Should the West butt out of the Middle East? Debating that next. Welcome back to Uncensored. The US and UK have unleashed a series of joint fresh airstrikes against Houthi targets in Yemen. The strikes targeted an underground storage site, missiles and other military capabilities. In a joint statement, they said their aim remains to de-escalate tensions and restore stability in the Red Sea. Rishi Sunak went one step further, calling it self-defence. We urge the Houthis and those who enable them to stop these illegal and unacceptable attacks. Yeah. But if necessary, the United Kingdom will not hesitate to respond again in self-defence. So is it self-defence? And are the strikes doing anything but de-escalating the situation in the Middle East or escalating them? Joining me now to discuss this is the son of the IDF general, Matty Pellet, who is now a Palestinian activist, uh, Miko Pellet, and Yemeni journalist, Luai Ahmed. Well, welcome to both of you. Um, let me start with you, uh, Miko. Uh, to me, it seems pretty straightforward. You've got a, a bunch of Houthis who are firing rockets to try and stop, I think it's nearly 15% of the world's trade, maybe more, coming through the Red Sea. And they have to be stopped, don't they? Well, I, uh, thanks for having me on the show, uh, Pierce. I, I would frame it slightly differently. I think what we're seeing is, uh, is Yemeni forces acting responsibly in response to a genocide taking place in Palestine. Uh, and we've seen over the last uh, month or so, or excuse me, three months or so, We've seen a heightening of the genocide with the tens of thousands of Palestinian civilians being massacred. But what does that have to do with the Houthis in Yemen, with all respect? Well, well, the international community has to act. If the international community does not act to stop Israel, nothing will. And countries around the world need to act. And I think what the Yemeni forces are doing are, the, are one of the only uh, responsible actions that we've seen. The other one, of course, has been the South Africans with a petition to the ICJ. The international community cannot continue to ignore 
what is happening in Palestine, a 75-year-old genocide and an apartheid regime. And when one country decides to step up and do the responsible thing and respond, they're being bombed by the Americans and, and the what British. Is responsible who are about, now, who what is responsible about firing, firing rockets at uh, cargo ships coming through the Red Sea? What is responsible what is, about that? Well, what is responsible is, first of all, they, they, well, the, the, the blockade of the Bab al-Mandab is an act of resistance. It's an act, to, uh, it's an act in response to the lack of action, the severe criminal lack of action by the rest of the I world. I think that's what Iran. In, I think in that's light listen. Of the genocide taking place. In I Palestine. would say. I want to come to my that other guest. That is the issue. All right, let me come to Luai Ahmed. You can't, I mean, to you, me, can't, to, you can't take it out of context, Pierre. Well, you actually, can't take it out of you context. shouldn't bring you it into the Palestinian issue. I think it's being deliberately you conflated. It's being deliberately conflated as a context no. because Iran wants people to think no, that way. No. Let me let me bring in Luai Ahmed. No, it's let me bring in Luai Ahmed, please. The other guest, Luai. Your view of what you just heard. Yeah, I think it's actually quite insulting to say that what the Houthis are doing are acting responsibly. The Houthis took over Yemen, north, northern Yemen by force. They slaughtered people, they killed people. It is a terrorist group that acts with violence and does not care about the Yemenis. Ever since the Houthis took over northern Yemen, more than 21 million Yemenis are in need of humanitarian aid. More than 10 million Yemeni children are starving. So if they if the Houthis were to act responsibly, they would take care of their own people. They would take care of their own starving population. Yemen is the biggest humanitarian crisis in the Middle East, and it's been perpetrated also by a war with Saudi Arabia that happened because they took over the northern part of Yemen. So the Houthis should mind their own business and care about their own people who live in famine. The Yemenis do not need another war. And one of the reasons that many people in the West are supporting Houthis and supporting their actions is because they, they're just looking for any hero to bomb Israel. I mean, even if, if Hitler was alive today and he started bombing Israel, they would all call him a hero because they, can, they blindly hate Israel and they cannot see the nuances. They, and most of them don't even know the slightest bit of the Houthis because the Houthis are not a country like he says. They're a militia. They're a sect that took over the northern part of Yemen. They're mm. not the legitimate power in Yemen, but they took over the country by force. So they don't really have any legitimacy as, a, as an internationally recognized government. And they're also backed by Iran, which is trying to impose its power on the rest of the Middle East. And I mean, I, I need not tell you about what Iran has been doing in the Middle East for the past 20, 30 years. They've also assassinated all of their secular leaders. Yeah. Next month, they're assassinating Fatima al-Auri, who is an, a human rights advocate who has been criticizing them. So it's kind of insulting to say that they're acting responsibly just because they're attacking I Israel. Can't, I, 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 to be honest, I've heard both sides now. I just think the idea is responsible is for the birds. It's utterly irresponsible. It's warmongering. It's de de deliberately inflammatory. It's at Iran's behest. And they're getting the bloody nose they deserve from the US and UK. We're trying to preserve nearly 15% of the world's trade from going down in the Red Sea. Uh, I can't think of anything more responsible than the response that's coming their way. Anyway, thank you both very much indeed. I appreciate it. And so it's the next. It's the movie about female empowerment and dismantling the patriarchy. So why are the leading ladies of Barbie missed out on the major Oscars nods and Ken has got one? Is it a victory in the end for the patriarchy? Debating next.
talking about Barbie's the box office smash of the year, grossing over a billion pounds worldwide. It's a movie about female empowerment and dismantling the patriarchy. You'd expect its star Margot Robbie and director Greta Gerwig to be recognised at the Oscars, but the leading ladies missed out on being recognised as best director or best actress in those categories. Instead, Ken, played by Ryan Gosling, has got a nomination for best supporting actor. So the patriarchy wins and Ken... As the last laugh, joining me now to discuss this is Outkick host Tommy Lahren, talk to me contributor Paula Rowan Adrian and podcaster and comedian James Barr. Tommy, I've got to say, I did laugh out loud at seeing that Ken gets the last laugh. Uh, the patriarchy wins. Yeah, again, the people that are so fired up about this, I just find it so interesting. You know, they want Hollywood to be all about DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. Only certain people can be nominated. Only certain people can win because otherwise you're going to upset the diversity quota and the quotient that they need to hit in order for everything to be acceptable. Hollywood is eating its own tail here. And then it's unfair because Margot and Greta were not nominated. America Ferreira nominated. Ken obviously nominated with Ryan Gosling. But they're mad that these two ladies weren't nominated. By the way, other female directors nominated. So to me, it's much ado about nothing. I liked the Barbie film. I didn't think it was necessarily the most challenging role for Margot Robbie to play a doll. I didn't think that that really took maybe a lot outside of her normal life to portray that character. But Piers, if we want to talk about unfairness and the patriarchy, let's talk about biological men competing against women in sports. Exactly. I want to see Hollywood get fired up about that one yeah. and how unfair the patriarchy is there. Yeah, exactly right, Tommy Lahren. Such right. a ridiculous thing. I can see just, you two agreeing. Yeah. What a ridiculous right. thing to just yeah. throw in at the end of a chat about Hollywood. That's yeah. insane. Also, it's not about what is... Um, acceptable. It's about what is deserved, right? Mm. And I'm sorry, but Greta Gerwig deserved to be nominated. But I thought the movie was awful. Greta, I thought it played up to every stereotypical nonsense. Barbie was brilliant. All the other Barbies were brilliant. Ken was a knucklehead. I'll tell you what's awful. And by the way, the only thing that works is extermination of the patriarchy and let women rule the world. Yes, please. And they based it all... Yes, please. They based it all on this company which supposedly had all men in this boardroom. Turns out in reality it's half men, half women. The whole thing's based on a lie. Honestly, the worst thing about this is that it's a huge snub for Greta and it's yeah. like the Oscars looked at Will Smith and went, who can we slap in the face this year? Or maybe yeah. it wasn't... That good a movie. I didn't think it was. Well, BAFTAs, the BAFTAs think that it is. I didn't. And, and frankly, lots of people who have seen it agree that it's a great I movie. Thought it was unwatchable. I, I, I appreciate you've obviously watched it. Just man you, you mocking Tosh. Yeah, well, and we can see why you didn't watch it. And, and I men, think it's and, interesting. And a man's had the last laugh. And I think Dim it's interesting that you're focusing on the patriarchy as if somehow you clearly missed the message that the movie was trying no, to convey. No, I got the message. All men the are mess- awful. It's the same message we saw when Gillette suddenly decided that all men who use their products are awful and Harvey Weinstein lookalikes, unless they can prove otherwise. Oh, because you're such it, a victim, aren't you? Yes, yeah, such a We are a downtrodden men. Yeah. Oh, gosh, because I feel sorry know, for you. don't we, that when we talk about patriarchy, the reality of patriarchy is about, for example, the fact that women are still not paid mm. the same as men. We're looking at still... Do you know how much Margot Robbie is made from Barbie? Oh, hang on. Do you know how much Margot Robbie is made from Barbie? One woman Because she also is. produced it through a production company. And I still, last heard we're talking north of 100 mil. You're doing OK in Hollywood. I mean... We're doing all right. We're not talking about the exception to the rule argument here, Piers, because we know that that never wins. I'll tell you something... But interestingly enough, no matter how much she earns, she's still not good enough look, to get I love, I, By the way, I love Margot Robbie. I hated Barbie. I think she will win an Oscar for something else and she'll deserve it. Greta Gerwig, very talented. Wrote a movie, Bashing Men. 
and a man's the one who gets numbed. It's perfect. That's an awful way to simplify. Yeah, I know, but, so it's true, but it's also true. It's I want to ask Tommy about another oppressed man, uh, Prince Harry, who uh, went to this extraordinary event in Hollywood where he was declared a living legend of aviation and no-one's quite sure why. What did you make of this? Well, I'll tell you, as much as I hate to say this, Hollywood can have Harry and Meghan. That's probably the only place they're useful at this point. They're still living out their 15 minutes of fame. I think it's going to dwindle. But I would say, Pierce, we should just stop talking about them. We should stop shining the light on them. And then yeah. they will scurry. They will go away. We breathe life into them by giving them attention. They really have no talent. They really have not much to offer. So we stop talking about them, and I think their light will dim even faster than it's already going to by I nature. I like your thing. Tommy's so, such an expert on people that have no talent. Wow. And actually, I'm going to disagree with Tommy on this one. I want to hear about Harry. I want to hear really? about the good things. He's a living legend I want to hear about the good things. Living I legend. want to hear about Meghan because it's important for us to remember that he won his case. Yes. It's important for us to continue to push that message that he and others, others who aren't as famous as Harry, were able to successfully sh shine a light on what was wrong with the British press Hang way on, back we're when. About him when you're That's an important award. thing. What's it got to do with the British press? Well, then isn't Don't he a living me. legend is for doing British that? Press to blame for... That's not why he got isn't the award. He, I'm actually, in he my is view, a living legend. He, he got the award for his aviation yes, skills. And he deserves that aviation award because he caused you quite a lot of turbulence, Piers Morgan. I don't mind what turbulence he causes me. He's a sickening... Oh, you do. He's a sickening... It riles you he's up. He's a sickening... It, Storm Piers he, is affecting listen, us all right now. The biggest intruder into royal privacy of all and time. You, you cannot... You know who it is? Prince Harry. Ridiculous. Prince Harry. Ridiculous. The ultimate hypocrisy. What this story he wrote shows. a book literally revealing conversations with his family at the graveside of his grandfather. What this story shows it's hard to imagine is that the British press... I think, I think you might be projecting. Why we've gone press, there. I think the you're British projecting. The can't let go of him. Anyway, they you, think he's, a, you him. think he's a living legend. Absolutely. I think he's a living Congratulations, belly. Congratulations, Harry. We're going to have to leave it there. Uh, Tommy, always a pleasure to get common sense from you across the pond. If only it was shared on my two friends to my left. Well, maybe um, you should move to America. They love you there. I please. love America. I was just there for three and a half weeks. Loved it. Because they understand common sense better than you do, clowns. <laughs> anyway, thank you both very much indeed. Coming next, we're going to talk to the fake prince uh, who posed for a selfie with another fake prince. Um, yeah, Prince Mario Max joins me live next about his encounter with a living legend. I wonder if you felt the same way. Welcome back to Uncensored. I'm joined now by Prince Mario Max, uh, who was the guy we saw pictured with Prince Harry at the Living Legend Award. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, do you perceive Prince Harry to be a living legend of aviation? Pierce, first of all, thank you for having me. And I'm a real journalist since 30 years. Guess what? I make a living on, in working in the field in the same industry. And secondly, I'm a real prince because my dad, Prince Waldemar, has a Danish royal mother and was actually knowing Queen Elizabeth. And it was the first time for me to meet her grandson. My dad loved Queen Elizabeth. He took pictures of her. Well, why are you called, the, the, royal fake, why are you called the fake prince then? 
It's not. One guy is saying that, which is a name-alike German who elevates himself to say, I am the big Schaumburg Lippe. We are all the same in Germany. Every Schaumburg Lippe prince is just a regular guy. I'm a working guy in America. And this guy makes himself pushy in the press and hates and bullies us since decades. My dad hated him. And now he's jumping the Harry and Max picture to put himself in the press, co-piloting us. We just had a nice talk. I said, my dad loved your grandmother. They took pictures together. My dad was a court photographer in Denmark at his cousin, the Danish queen. And I'm so happy to meet you. I've never met you. And that was all. And he said, glad. And he spoke about his award. And by the way, this award, it's so important. I'm attending since years. The Lips family that runs it are friends of mine. We're taking vacations together. So this Lips family has all these people in these living legend awards. Awards. And the ones who decide who gets these awards are the living legends themselves. And I called them yesterday and I said, why Prince Harry? And they said, hey, Prince Mario Max, read in the program and it will tell you. Air controller, helicopter pilot. That's how he was pitched by the fellow aviators. Yeah, that's not... Yeah, but, people, OK, let me jump in. That's not why he yeah. won the award. He won the award because they wanted to get a member of the British royal family to the event. So they gave him an award. There are tens of thousands of helicopter uh, pilots. People have done his job all over the world. Anyway, uh, look, you've run out you. of time. He's you, a huge personality. You so far, you're so right. I've run out of time. I'm going to have to leave it, Prince. Great to talk to you. That's it from me. Whatever you're up to, keep it uncensored. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.